0: morning. I'd like to invite Logan Neal to come up here. We have his baptismal certificate and some flowers to celebrate with you, Logan. Here you go. And the church family, just by a simple raising of hands or clapping, would you like to welcome Logan Neal into official membership of our church? bless you, Logan. Thank you. It's always a good day when someone says, I'm going to follow Jesus. So, Logan, we celebrate with you. As a conference this past Sunday, almost a week ago now, we met in consensuality session, which is a fancy word for business session. We do this every five years. And a little over 20 or so of your peers and your pastoral staff represented you at our conference constituency meeting. And during that meeting, we elected our new officers for the next five years and I'd like to just uh, introduce them to you. On your far left in the front is um, Elder Jonathan Park, who is our conference secretary. In the middle there is Elder Sandy Roberts, who is our new president. And then on the far right, On the far right is um, Verlin Strauss, who is our treasurer for the next five years. Um, Elder Roberts, our union leadership, are back at um, the division this week for our year-end meetings. And I encourage you to lift them all up in prayer as they are reviewing what we've been doing and also making plans for this next year. I know that they would appreciate that. We celebrate today when God's people are honored— when all of God's people are honored for their faithfulness to Him. It's a day to celebrate, and we're grateful for that. Moving into a new place. It's a lot of work. We've been up here in Ukaipa for a little over a year now, and um, one of the things that took a little while for us to kind of figure out, and we're still not completely done, is our backyard. Some of you are chuckling because you're also in that boat. Amen. I hear amens even. The previous owners, they'd put in some garden boxes in our backyard, and so Grace and I decided that, you know, let's make use of it. It would be a good time to give a boy a chance, particularly this boy, a chance to grow his own vegetables. And so, not knowing what I'm doing, I... um, consulted some green thumbs. And um, if you're a green thumb or an aspiring green thumb, God bless you. (laughs) Because it's a lot of work. And um, your body aches in places that you didn't know you had. You know, this isn't part of my sermon, but our, our... conference has this um, wellness plan where you can sign up and and you can fill out how often you exercise and you turn it in for for points and stuff and gardening was on there and I thought, "Man, what exercise is gardening?" But I was wrong. I admit it. It's okay. So we went to the community garden community garden has an annual pepper and tomato plant sale. And I decided that's a good place to start. And so I went there and I just picked out as many different colors of tomatoes that I could because variety is good. And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it to see the many different colors of tomatoes. Then I went to, and I, then I went and did what any, city boy would do. I went to the big orange store and the big blue store and um, I got a bunch of packing soil and, and a lot of six packs of vegetables. Vegetables come in six packs. If you didn't know that, you'd know that now. They come in six packs and I brought them home and I, and I planted them. And we watched them grow. And it was fun. You know, Grace appreciated it. Christian had fun with the broccoli and different vegetables, so it was good. It's been a good experience. So, as we've been planning and talking about this winter's garden, Grayson Christian says, "You know, we want carrots." Okay, do carrots. So, I did a little bit of research, and I found out that carrots don't transfer very well. Someone says, "No, you're a green thumb." Please come to my house. And so they said that you need to take it from seed and plant it, and then water it and watch it grow never done that before so that's what we did or I did so I planted and I started to water do you know in about two weeks little sprouts started to come out of the ground that was cool never experienced that before, it was different it wasn't like getting a six pack and planting them in the ground and and watching that grow that was fun But watching something that you worked really hard for grow, cause something deep inside of me to kind of well up. And I'm realizing that that's joy, something internal that comes up out of me. We experience joy in different ways. I did a quick little solicitation on Facebook asking my friends to share with me how they experienced joy in their lives. And here's, here's a few examples of what they shared. I experienced joy by giving secretly, by listening to others without a judging agenda. I experienced joy through my family and my children. Feeling useful brings me joy. This is from a friend of mine you may know. Injecting a dose or two of loving God, loving my neighbor, and loving myself into my day, week, month, and year. Oh, and going to the Daytona 500. (laughs) I experience joy when I move beyond thoughts of being loving to experiencing love with actions. I experience joy through the art of ingesting delicious meals. It brings great joy, exuberant joy to those who practice it, especially when it's done in the company of those who share appreciation of such art. Some of you may relate to this one. I experience joy when I turn off my mind and put electronics away and take in the moment. I don't relate to that one. <laughs> We're in a sermon series entitled The Life You've Always Wanted. It's by John Ortberg, it's a book. And I know some of you have been reading along with us. We're in chapter 4 this week entitled a da Day A D-Da Day And I wanted to read the introduction to you From this chapter this morning This is what he writes Some time ago I was giving a bath to our three children and Just to clarify that's not me, that's him I had a custom of bathing them together More to save time than anything else Johnny was still in the tub, Laura was out and safely in her pajamas, and I was trying to get Mallory dried off. Mallory was out of the water, but was doing what has become to be known in our family as the Dee Daw Day dance. This consists of her running around and around in circles, singing over and over again, Dee Day, Dee da Day. It's a relatively simple dance. Expressing great joy. When she's too happy to hold it in any longer, when words are inadequate to give voice to her euphoria, she has to dance to release her joy. So she does the D Daw Day dance. On this particular occasion, I was irritated. Mallory, hurry, I prodded. So she did. She began running in circles faster and faster, chanting D DA Day more rapidly. No, Mallory, that's not what I mean. Stop with the D DA Day stuff and get over here so I can draw you off. Hurry. Then she asked a profound question Why? You've been parents. I had no answer. I had nowhere to go, nothing to do, no meetings to attend, no sermons to write. I was just so used to hurrying, so preoccupied with my own little agenda, so trapped in this rut of moving from one task to another, that here was life, here was joy. Here was an invitation to dance right in front of me, and I was missing it. So I got up, and Mallory and I did the D-Daw Day dance together. She said that I was pretty good at it, too, for a man my age. Kids know and understand what we as sophisticated adults have unlearned. That joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is at the heart of God's plan for all humans. I have something in my pocket that you may recognize or you may not recognize. Do you know what this is? Someone knows what this is. A few people know what this is. Thank you, Lane. This is actually Lane. It says, me borrow it. Maybe this will help you. It's a duck call. Anybody watch Duck Dynasty? All right. A few more of you in second service than in first service. Duck Dynasty is a show that follows... The Robertson family, they are the creators of these duck calls. Each one of these are handmade. It's a reality TV show. And in our house, and I guess in some of yours, you watch this show. And um, Phil Robertson, who is the guy on your far left in the sunglasses, he's the patriarch, and um, he's written a book entitled happy, happy, happy or as he would say happy, happy, happy but you'd have to watch the show to understand they're an openly Christian family and at the end of each show the family gathers around a a table to feast to celebrate together and um, they say a blessing and then they eat and that's how the show kind of ends But this is what he writes in his book, and I just wanted to read it to you a little bit. To be honest, our family isn't much different from other families in America. Not my family picture, I don't know about you. There's a mom and dad, four grown kids, 14 grandchildren, and a couple of great grandkids. We started a family business, Duck Commander. Was turned out to be a pretty lucrative enterprise with a lot of elbow grease, teamwork, and God's blessing. We've had our share of trials and struggles like a lot of other families. We've battled alcohol and drug abuse, sibling rivalries, and near poverty and despair at the beginning of our time as a family. It wasn't always like what you see on TV. So except for our manly exp- appearances, it might not seem that we're all that different from everyone else. What separates the Robertsons from a lot of other families is our faith in God and our love for each other. God makes us happy, happy, happy. What Phil is talking about is a deep, pervasive sense of contentment and well-being, following God. And we call that joy. Sometimes we struggle to express our joy. I wonder if it's because we've been taught that reverence is paramount before God. Sometimes we've all been in awkward situations where we recognize that You wish people wouldn't respond in that way. Maybe you've been in situations like I have where someone shares with you as you're passing by and you hear somebody talking. You know, I just lost my job or I found out that I was sick. And you hear the person they're talking to say, praise God, and you, what? There's this cognitive and emotional dissonance that you experience and you say, oh, I wish they could have chosen something else to say. If any of you are Red Sox fans, then you celebrated this week. You did so probably with all of who you are. I don't know where you were. You may have been at your home. You may have been at a friend's house. But if you saw your team win, I'm guessing that you experienced great pleasure in watching them win. Amen, I hear. (laughs) Yet, somehow, some of us struggle if before the God of the universe, some people clap or raise their arms in celebration or Do a little dance. But the Bible puts joy in a unconditional category. Joy is a command. Celebrating is a mandate. Turn with me to uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'll kind of share with you what the Bible has to say. Nehemiah chapter 8, starting in verse 5, we find a sad remnant of God's people, a chosen nation that's living in a ruined city. They're surrounded by their enemies, and even though they've rebuilt the city walls around them, there's still a lot of destruction and a lot of pain that they're experiencing, So we enter the story in Nehemiah chapter 8 starting in verse 5 as Ezra is called upon to read the word of God. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing up above them. And as he opened it, the people of God stood. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and they responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, For all the people had been weeping as they heard and listened to the word of the Lord. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah related to their struggles and I think it speaks to our struggle for joy in a messy world. The Israelites, they were angry, they were sad when they heard the word of God that convicted them and they realized how far they had strayed from God. There were plenty of reasons for tears and not too many reasons for celebrating But they were commanded to feast, not fast. To have holy joy, not endless weeping. If you're like me, we often think of discipline as abstinence from pleasurable things. I don't know what you have tried to abstain from to bring discipline in your life. But Nehemiah challenges them to enjoy choice foods. Some translations say, eat the fat, the tasty parts. Nehemiah says, feasting can be every much a discipline. as fasting. People who want to pursue joy need to practice the discipline of celebration. When we rely upon happiness to sustain us, we learn quickly that happiness follows the law of diminishing returns. That means that what makes you happy yesterday, probably that same thing you experienced today, will not make you as happy and tomorrow and even less and so on. But joy is not like that. Because as this chart will show, we learned that happiness is an emotion based on external factors, things that we experience in our lives from the outside, while joy is an internal state of being that is from deep inside of us. Happiness is an outward emotion, an expression, while joy is inward peace and contentment. Happiness is momentary. Joy is sustained. It stays with us. So here's some examples. And if anybody wants to make me happy in this way, I'll be be grateful. Happiness is winning a lottery. That will make one happy for a little while. Joy is something that we experience in the midst of life's ups and downs, for joy still stays with us, still present. But this raises the question, how do we embrace joy amid pain and suffering that we see? Is it right for us to experience joy in a world full of hunger and violence and injustice? How can we experience joy when I'm stressed out about quotas at work. And my relationships with those that are closest to me are fractured. Orberg says in the book that it's precisely during the most challenging times that we find an amazing thing. People that are closest to suffering experience the most powerful joy. And he shares about Mother Teresa. He says, friends of Mother Teresa say that instead of being overwhelmed by the suffering and pain around her, she fairly glowed with joy as she went about her ministry of mercy to others. We realize quickly that joy in this world is always in spite of something. Joy is defiant in our lives against the suffering that we see and experience. Joy is not pleasure, where it's a mere sensation. Joy is pervasive, it's constant. As Christians, as recognizing that God is still with us today. If you've read the Gospels, you know that the disciples never ran out of questions to ask Jesus. We've all asked questions. All the time, they're asking Jesus questions. Hey, Jesus, can I sit at your right hand? Hey, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive that guy? Hey, Jesus, why was that man born blind? And what does this parable mean? And should we call down fire from heaven? to blast the Samaritans sometimes we find that we wish they would have asked more questions because if they did then Jesus wouldn't have to attach the ear to a guard wonder if Jesus ever got tired of all the questions, hey Jesus, hey Jesus hey Jesus because underneath them all is a huge question that we all have why? every one of us has at least one why question that we want to ask God and i would assert this morning that many if not all of us have at least one why question that fully that hinders us from fully celebrating in the joy of the lord why 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 did my marriage fall apart? Why am I suffering from this depression? Why did I not get that job? Why is there so much pain in this world that I live? Like you, I have a why question. I've been living this why question for the last several months. And here's mine. Hey, Jesus, why does a foreign year old girl, Audrey. A dear friend of our family. A sweet little child that I dedicated right here on this stage in front of you in this church. Why does she have cancer? This is Audrey behind me. She and her family have now moved away to Tennessee after studying here. And I've asked her mom, Liz, this week to kind of share with me how she keeps positive how she experiences joy going through this with her daughter how they celebrate life on this journey they're on and she's giving me permission to share this with you and so i'll read you her her letter the short answer is you have to the long answer will probably take a whole page to answer You have to realize and accept that you, your spouse, and any of your children can be gone any day, and you have to be happy with the time you have with them. Did you spend your time wisely and do your very best you could each day? If you did, then the day is yours. Laugh, dance, sing, and have huge birthday celebrations. Each year on earth should be cherished. That being said, are we mad? Bitter? Yes. My four-year-old has a 54% chance to see prom or college or ride on a two-wheeled bike. It's not fair, and as parents, you get really angry, mad at God, doctors, cancer, anything you can be angry at. Imagine your beautiful, spunky child spending the last six months either in extreme pain or vomiting every couple of hours. And to top it off, they are a bald, skinny, sickly version of their old self. But I've learned that it comes down to being grateful, which I know sounds odd. You have to be grateful for what you have. I'm grateful that I live in America where my child can get treatment and not to be sent home to die. I'm grateful for friends and family who support us with money, love, hugs, and and just lend an ear. I'm grateful for cancer moms who form an unofficial club and are willing to talk about how to deal with the nastiest parts of cancer. A child throwing up in public being stared at, pointed at, touched. They share with you the best combinations of medications, how to care for dangling pieces of plastic hanging out of your child's body. I'm grateful for my husband, who I never get to see or spend time with, but every once in a while I get to talk to I'm grateful for every day I get to be with Audrey because a lot of other parents have lost their children earlier than we have. So basically I'm able to be grateful because I know it can be much worse. I've seen kids on chemo with a caseworker. I've heard moms complain they don't get enough tests. They don't get tests done because they don't have anyone else to watch their other kids or a single mom who needs help to pay for gas money to get to the treatment. That's rough to hear about. So we are grateful. It's a decision we make every day. It's a decision we make to be happy and to enjoy life that you have. If you are grateful like we are, we're grateful for what God has given us. Jesus speaks about grief and joyful celebration. I hope that this passage will help us. It's found in John chapter 16. John chapter 16, if you want to turn with me there. Jesus is talking to his disciples as Jesus knows that the time, of, the time is near for him. And he tells them about the Holy Spirit, that it's going to come soon. And then this is what he tells his disciples, starting in verse 16 of chapter 16. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Verse 18, they kept asking, what does it mean when he says, by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him this so he said to them are you asking one another what it means when I say in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me I tell you the truth you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices you will grieve but your grief will turn to joy A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time to grieve. But I will see you again. And you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Jesus says, my friends, let me tell you, for a little while you won't see me, and, and when you don't, you're gonna see some terrible, terrible things. Cancer, hunger, war, hatred, horrible injustice. Then in a little, in a little while, and it may seem like a long while, but in the scale of eternity. Trust me when I say it's a little while. I'm coming back. And you will see me again. And I will set it all right and the world will be reborn and joy will win. On that day, not today, not tomorrow, But on that day, Jesus says, you will ask me no more questions. That's going to be a good day. Rudolf Bultmann says it this way, it's the nature of joy that all questions grow silent and nothing needs explaining. Then we'll see the goodness of God. There will be no more questions in just a little while, our source of joy, the internal joy giver will come again. Until that day, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Until that day, this yoke is a reminder for us to accept God into our lives, to be attached to a yoke with him. And experience life as he would want us to live. Until that day when the joy giver invites us into a life of disciplined, joy filled celebration. He invites us today to take his yoke, to walk with him, to work with him, to live with him. To experience what he experiences in this world to experience his love flowing through us, his grace shining through us, his presence, his joy. That life where we will live with an easy yoke of Jesus, where we will experience the deep, pervasive, steady peace of Jesus, that day is a dee day. And now I want to invite you as we leave here to go and dance with God. God, we are so grateful that you invite us to a deep, pervasive love, grace, hope filled life with you. We call that joy. And today as we leave here, we leave here with joy in our hearts, ready to dance with you in this world until you come again, until that day in just a little while. Amen.